Hello, you're listening to the Practice 42 Health and Safety Made Simple podcast, where each episode we take a different health and safety topic, break it down, cut out the jargon and put it into plain English to try and make it easier to understand and easier to implement. Today, we're looking at accident reporting and investigation. Let's get stuck into it. My experience in health and safety has taught me one thing. It's not if an accident will happen, but when it will happen. At the end of the day, no matter how many systems we put in place, or however long we train our staff, or maintain our workplace in a safe state, we cannot account for human error. We as humans are not robotic, so mistakes will happen, but it's how we deal with them that counts. Admitting when you've done something wrong is not always the easiest thing to do. But what is the key thing when we get something wrong? We learn how to do it right. And that is why accident reporting and investigation play such a vital role in helping to improve any health and safety management system. Firstly, let's look at why we should be reporting and investigating accidents. So I've tried to summarise this into two sections. The first of which is to ensure you maintain your moral duty of care to your staff or any other person who could be affected by your work activities. Now you've got to ask yourself, how is your company going to be perceived if you repeatedly have accidents and no efforts are made to prevent them reoccurring? Secondly, there is a legal duty under a set of regulations commonly referred to as RIDOR, or Reporting of Instances, Diseases, Dangerous Occurrence Regulations. In basic terms, these regs have a set of criteria. Now, if you have an accident or an incident that meets those criteria, then it must be reported. We'll cover this topic in a bit more detail in a further episode. Before we go too far, let's make a clear definition of what we're looking to be reported. Firstly, it's accidents. Now, these are easy to identify as they directly result in injury or ill health. But the ones that are not commonly looked at or reported are incidents. These are events that didn't result in injury or ill health, but had the potential to. Now, these are what I look at that, ooh, that was close moment. And that leads us nicely into why we need a reporting and investigation process. In basic terms, the whole process is an information gathering exercise. So we're looking for the who, where, why, and how. If we can gather comprehensive information on these areas, we can then cross-reference it against the existing risk assessments and safe systems of work to identify where potential shortcomings were. Let's not forget any accident or incident should automatically trigger a review of any relevant risk assessment. Once we know where things have not worked or procedures or assessments were lacking, we can look to make improvements. And this may be to things such as the work process itself, adding further control measures into the risk assessment, or giving staff further training or different training. And lastly, we might look to change the equipment to something that is potentially safer. All of these things will go toward preventing the accident happening again. And that is our primary aim. If you have any accident in the workplace with no serious consequences, take it as a warning. How would it look if you had the same accident happen again? Or how would you feel knowing you had the opportunity to prevent it happening again? It all sounds nice and simple, right? It's only going to benefit you and your business if you do it. So why do people fall short in this area and leave themselves open to potential prosecutions, fines and insurance payouts? Well, relating this to my experience of working in health and safety, it comes down to a number of reasons. Firstly, it could be the fact that people don't find it easy to admit they've got something wrong or they made a mistake. You can look at this from two points of view. 
either the employee won't report something because they know they weren't working how they should be, or management won't investigate the matter fully, knowing full well there are shortcomings in their health and safety management system. Secondly, a reporting system might not be in place, or if it's in place, people don't know how to report an accident once it's happened. Thirdly, health and safety is not seen as a priority. People's attitude is one of, it won't happen to me, or we don't have accidents. And lastly, people are afraid to report accidents or incidents because they fear they'll be penalised in some way. The question this raises is how do we get around this? Firstly, we need a straightforward but comprehensive reporting system, one that gathers all the required information but yet is easy to use and understand. So how do we make it easy to use and understand? Well, we train staff. That way, they know what an accident or an incident is and they know how to report it. But what information do we need to gather? Now, some of these will be obvious, but others not so much. But let's go through it. So, we need the date and time of the accident. The type of accident or incident that's occurred. So this could be a collision, impact, a fall from height, manual handling. The list goes on. Thirdly, we need details of the injured party. Name, address, contact details. Details of witnesses. We then need to know what work was being completed at the time of the accident. We need statements of events from the injured party if possible. We need witness statements. We need to know what first aid treatment was given. So which first aiders were present, was an ambulance called and so on. Next, you might want to reference any risk assessments related to the task being completed. And then lastly, we need the details of the person completing the form. So their position within the company, signature and date. You may be asking yourself, what is the best way to gather all this information? Well, there's no hard or fast rule. You can record it any way you see fit, as long as all relevant information is gathered. Some places I've visited with work have developed their own in-house forms or electronic systems, where others use printed accident books that can be easily purchased. The level of detail on the report forms often directly relates to the risks associated with the work being completed. For example, for high-risk work such as manufacturing or construction, I'd expect to see a far more detailed reporting form than that, say, of a small office. It should be stressed at this stage, it's purely an information gathering exercise. Don't start looking for potential reasons why it happened, or even worse, start assigning blame. Identifying causes will all take place during the investigation stage. So let's imagine we have an all-singing, all-dancing reporting procedure. But how do we get people to report accidents and incidents? As I stated right back at the start, People don't always like admitting they've got something wrong or it was their fault. So it all comes down to having a positive health and safety culture where people reporting accidents or incidents is welcomed and seen as a positive. If employees can see when accidents or incidents take place, they are managed in the correct manner rather than it just being an exercise of finding the first person to blame, then they will be far more likely to report things when they occur. One industry that has a positive culture when things go wrong is the aviation industry. All commercial planes are fitted with black box recorders. They can record exactly what was being said by the crew and what was done with all the technical information regarding the plane. So if they have an accident, they have all the information they need to determine what went wrong and then how they can put it right. This shows us that to work out what went wrong, we need to work on fact, not presumption. So the accident or incident has been reported, now we have to investigate it. 
First things first, who needs to investigate the accident? Now, the biggest mistake you could make is just have one person conduct the investigation. So we need to gather a team of people who, between them, have knowledge and experience of not only conducting the investigation, but also the work being conducted. So with that in mind, let's assemble our team. Okay, first person we could have in there is a manager or a supervisor responsible for the work or the department where the accident took place. Let's not forget, they have a large level of responsibility here and they must be involved. The next person could be a member of the safety team or designated health and safety rep in the business. They will bring their health and safety expertise to the table. Thirdly, we could have an experienced member of staff who works in the area where the accident or incident took place or has carried out the work or task being completed at the time. We may bring in an outsider expert. It could be someone like me, a health and safety consultant, or an industry expert who would have more in-depth knowledge. And in certain cases, a union representative should be involved in the investigation. What we want is a team that brings their knowledge to the table and can give a different opinion or point of view on the matter. Having one person complete the investigation who has limited knowledge will hamper your ability to really find the true cause of the accident or the incident. Now our team is assembled, it's time to put on the detective hats and try to determine what happened with the aim of gathering enough information to come to a definitive conclusion on what caused the accident or incident. So at this stage, the team could be divided up to take on different tasks, but we need to be looking for the following. Look at the accident scene. In some serious cases, this may have been preserved to maintain evidence, but looking at the scene, you may identify physical reasons why the accident happened. So poorly maintained workplace, for example, or poor lighting. Examine any equipment that was being used. Is it properly maintained? Is the user properly trained? Is the equipment suitable for the task being completed? Take a statement from the injured party and find out exactly what they were doing. Also, take witness statements to find out how they saw things unfold. Examine your risk assessments associated with the work being undertaken at the time. You now have the ability to cross-reference statements of the injured party with those of the witnesses. You can also see how work was being completed or equipment was being used and reference that against what the risk assessments and the safe systems of work say. Slowly, you may start to identify some discrepancies or something may become glaringly obvious. Now that's the information gathering done and with it, we can now look at causes. Let's break this down into three types. Firstly, is your primary cause. So this is what directly caused the accident. So for example, we've had a trip in the workplace due to damaged carpet. That's your primary cause, the damaged carpet. After your primary cause is your secondary cause. Now these could be conditions or behaviours that have caused the accident to happen. And then finally are the underlying causes. This often sits with the management of the task. Let's put those all together. Let's take an office environment. Someone trips over some damaged carpet and is injured. What is the primary cause? Well, the primary cause is the damaged carpet. Why is the carpet damaged? And here's our secondary cause. It's due to a poorly maintained workplace or a lack of ability to repair the carpet. So, what is our underlying cause? Well, we could put it down to there being no risk assessment completed on the workplace that could have identified the trip hazard and put in place controls to repair the carpet if it became damaged. Now here is one of the biggest failings I see in accident investigation. People don't dig down to identify all the causes. And do you know what happened because of this? Well, the accident's going to happen again. 
Sometimes management don't like to dig down to the underlying causes because they know the buck stops with them and they haven't done anything about it. So we now have all the information available to take appropriate action to prevent the accident happening again. And that is our aim. This process is not about blame. If someone has purposely acted in an unsafe manner, well then yes, they have to face the music. But what we want to ensure is ultimately our workforce is safe. So what might the information gathered in the investigation enable us to do? Well, it's going to enable us to review and update risk assessments and safe systems of work to ensure they're more comprehensive. It's going to enable us also to identify where further training may be needed to enable staff to have better awareness, increase their knowledge of work equipment or the work processes. It may highlight that we need to change equipment so it's safer to use, introduce further guarding or fail-safe mechanisms. It may highlight that we need to change the workplace itself, have better maintenance programmes to repair issues promptly. And these are to name but a few. So there you have it, the accident investigation process in a nutshell. As you can see, it's a vital cog in the health and safety management machine. And when done well, can give you a wealth of information to prevent it reoccurring. Remember, it's about gathering information, not about assigning blame. Ensure you have a user-friendly accident incident reporting system and employees know how it works and when it should be completed. Work on the principles of who, where, why and how. It's vital to have an investigation team from all levels of the organisation, all of which have knowledge that adds value to the investigation. It should never be completed by just one person. Gather all the information for a balanced conclusion to be drawn and look at all causes, primary, secondary and underlying. Then take the information and act on it. Make changes where necessary to documentation, training, equipment, etc. To achieve our main aim, which is to prevent the accident happening again. Don't base it on blame. Base it on preventing it happening again. You've been listening to Safety Made Simple, our podcast series helping make the world of health and safety easier to understand and easier to implement. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover, then please get in touch using the hashtag safetymadesimple or via our website at praxis42.com.